Hello there, mortals of Universe 7. I'm Mysterious Jackson. And this is... The Mysterious Jackson Show. Well... Previously, I was talking about... The Michael Jackson episode. So... Why not... Let's continue that. Michael Joseph Jackson was born 1958 of August 29. He was the eighth out of ten kids. Children consist of Marlon, Jermaine, Tito, Jackie, Brandon, and Reby, Janet, Latoya, and why not let's mention the parents. Katherine Jackson, who is known as Kate, and Joseph Eleanor Walter Jackson, rest in peace, he's the father. And we also can't forget Randy, the other sibling that no one talks about. The Jacksons started out as ten kids on Jackson Street. Coincidental enough, that was not plain. 2300 Jackson Street, they were all raised. Michael was the youngest out of the brothers. Then one day, when Mother Catherine heard him um, mimicking the washing machine and making a beat out of it and was able to carry in the beat, she decided to uh, tell Joseph to put Michael in the band, but unfortunately Joseph right away wasn't trying to hear it because Jermaine and uh, Randy were in the lead. But, so one day, through persistence and through the displeasement of Joseph in the beginning because he was a strict disciplinarian Michael ended up in the band because there was a talent show that he performed at and the song that he performed was Climb Every Mountain and then once Joseph saw that the Jackson 4 became the Jackson 5 and with Michael being in the Jackson 5 he became the lead and a lot of pressure was put on him because he was the youngest out of, out of the um, brothers even though it was said that Randy was the youngest, which wasn't true, because Michael was the youngest. And there's evidence to prove that. And once Michael was in the band, he was five years old selling out arenas, concerts, stadiums, climbing the charts with songs like Big Boy, ABC, I Want You Back, Dance Machine, Get It Together, I'll Be There, Got To Be There, and many, many more. But 
Michael didn't become this way on his own, you know. It was all thanks to Motown founder Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy was the manager and the head head boss of that company. But before Barry Gordy was uh, a founder company manager, he was a box promoter. And when Suzanne convinced Barry Gordy to let them perform at his label, he wanted to sign them up because in the beginning he he didn't want to sign them up because he already had a lot of kid acts, you know, with the Supremes and Lionel Richie and the Caldors and many, many others. I don't know all of who he had on the label. I just know of the Caldors, Supremes, and the Four Tops, and um, Gladys Knight. But once he had had them, the hits started coming in. And they all went to number one. Five singles to be number one. Shit, that wasn't always like that. Not in the beginning, especially not in the um, 60s and 70s, because in the 60s, the late 50s to early 60s, you couldn't, um, you couldn't go to um, music labels and um, music circuits because in the um, 60s and the uh, late 50s, the black music circuits was kind of frowned upon, and if you were performing there, you had to go in there with your head down, and um, you couldn't be seen. And um, that's what, you know, essentially Michael and the Jacksons had to go through. They had to grind and push to get their way in, and then once they got in, the rest was history. And with the Jackson 5 being in with Motown, they were in good hands. Because there's still plenty of songs from the Jackson 5 era and the Jackson's era that still hasn't come out. That has since been leaked or are planning to come out. But when they do, stay on the lookout for that. Now, we're going to talk about the Jackson's era. Okay, in 1971 to 72, Michael had embarked on a solo career despite still being in the group with the Jackson 5. Michael, as a solo artist, has released albums such as Got To Be There, Music and Me, Ben, Brother Michael. Since this time, Michael was stepping into the Team Idol era, where he was becoming a heartthrob and all the girls would want to be with him and have fantasies about him. Which to be expected because once you're a Team Idol, that, that would come with the territory. But even though Michael wanted the success, he was often sad because his childhood was stripped from him. And Michael has stated this numerous times. And Joseph didn't make it any better because he was tough on him. I mean, yeah, he he used Michael as an example, but that's not all he did. 
he was abusive to them, especially to Michael. I mean, Michael even said it. He, he would run away from him, but when he would catch him, oh my god. He said it was terrifying. But despite all that, he said he wouldn't change it for the world. And I get why he says that. Because... But... The fact that he went through all that abuse, he wouldn't he wouldn't want to go through that again. But despite all that coming out of it, a lot of good came out of it. He, he even said the man's a genius. He might he might have been tough to him and might have been a bitch to him and not allowing him to call him daddy. But he gave credit where credit is due, and I commend him for that. And at this time, Joseph was doing down and dirty. Like, the family won't talk about it, and I don't blame them. I mean, Michael was getting sexually abused. A little more on the allegations later, because it's too early. And when I found that out, I was scared for him, and, and how I found that out, not just because I was watching a documentary, um, it's on the intro, the unreleased intro to Dangerous, and first glance on hearing it, they made it into a beat with him doing all the riffs, but if you listen to it more closely, if you listen to it more closely, he's in pain. Like, he's not saying, like, ow! Like, in a sense of, like, I feel the groove. He's saying it like, you know, I'm in pain, I'm being hurt. And when listening to that, I broke down. Because I can relate to that. I mean, because usually when something like that happens, you usually don't expect it happen from somebody you trusted. I mean, it's it's worse when anybody does it to you, but when it's especially when it's somebody you trust, you're never the same. And I can relate to him in that regard because Donatello Jenkins did that to me. And that was somebody I expected dearly. And what I mean by that, I mean I respected him. Excuse that last error. I respected him and, you know, looked to him for, you know, not necessarily guidance, but because he was my elder, I, you know, looked to him in that regard because I respect my elders. But once he did that, when I mean he snuck up on me, and I was in the bathroom, and he violated me. I tried to tell someone, but at the same time, I was scared because all the thoughts played in my head. Like nobody would believe me and this kind of theory that it had to be done. And when I did tell someone, the result was I expected it to be from some individuals, but when it, when it's supposed to be certain members that I trust, and they didn't really believe me, they thought I was lying. That's not fair. That's something I was scared to talk about, and he did it to me, and. He forced me to watch, you know, lesbian porn while he was doing it to me. And looking back on that, I don't like it. I mean, I wish I didn't have to go through that. But I'm strong because I'm um, having the bravery to tell this story. 
and this really happens to me. Like every once in a while, I still think about it. <clears throat> and it saddens me. It makes me cry sometimes because I have a lot of memory in suppressing that and it scares me. But I, I digress. I'll talk more about that on a later episode. And now, back to the story. Then, so by this time, Michael was a teenager at this time when he released, you know, Ben and uh, got to be there and, um, the anthology album and then the Forever Michael album which is a great album along with the jukebox the Joyful Jukebox album with songs consisted of Make Tonight All Mine and um, Joyful Jukebox Songs like You Ain't Gonna Eat My Heart Out Anymore, which was unreleased from that album, so it never really made the album, but I encourage you to listen to that album. And then there's there's a song called My Best Friend, and that song is about somebody that, you know, you have a best friend, and you really trust them, and then he eventually falls in love with them. And I can relate to that too because I had two best friends I, you know, fell in love with at the time. And they're, one of them I still love. And her name is Jin. Now, I know some people may not like her. I know some people in my family not may like her because of what she's recently did. But once feelings are involved, you can't you can't just dismiss that. I know, you know, it's been some years and I haven't really been there when she was there and she needed somebody. That, that wasn't my fault. There was numerous reasons why that happened, how it happened. Because two of the individuals that were there did not like me. And they both tried to kill me. And that's why, and aside from my name getting torn to shreds and me being called a molester and a rapist and a pedophile, I did not feel comfortable being somewhere where my name was getting torn to shreds. Don't get me wrong, I loved I loved um, the New Visions uh, Crumb Kill ARC place, and I still do because there are some friends in there that that I'm cool with and some staff individuals that I'm cool with. Melinda, she's like, I call her my baby sister because I'm older than she is and me and her built like a, you know, brother-sister relationship. So like, she's like my sister to me and um, Holly Gross and Holly Lyons, Holly Gross, who I like to call Sister Two, and I call her Holly Hornet. How you doing there, sis? If you're still there, I can't wait to see you one day, because I miss you, sis. There are plenty of other people that I was friends with that would make me want to come back. But if my name is getting torn to shreds, or if somebody's making me feel small, I'm not going to be anywhere around them. 
and if it makes me uncomfortable. And that's why, you know, I was ultimately home. That's why I'm home now. And I needed to, you know, take some time to relax. And with me just finding out that I have, you know, blood pressure, and I'm also, you know, uh, pre-diabetic, I don't have level 1 or level 2 or level 3 or level 4 type diabetes, but I'm at the um, beginning and I have to watch how much sugar and stuff I have. I can't really have a, a diet that's filled with salt or sugar. I have to moderate. And, you know, that's a little hard for me. And when I said when I was a kid and a teenager, if I can't really have the things I want or love, then I didn't want to be on the planet anymore. And it's a struggle for me. But I realized I can't do that because I have a lot of people that love me. I have a big family, and plus I'm an uncle now. And so, you know, I I have to keep living, not just for myself, but the sake for my sisters and my nieces. And I wanna, you know, have my dreams and legacy be written and come true before I die at least. Because when that time does come, just like Michael, I want to be revered. I don't want to be, you know, exiled and shamed. And one of the reasons why I do this podcast is because, you know, I love doing things like this. This isn't just a hobby for me. This is my therapy. This is, you know, my release when I get too stressed. And this is, you know, my way of relaxing and calming down because it gets a little hard sometimes. And I'm also inspired to do it by my dear, dear good friend, Elise Bowman, the voice of Pan from Dragon Ball GT. How you doing, Miss Bowman? I appreciate all that you've done for me. You inspire me to do a lot. And I truly hope that one day we get to meet. It would be a huge honor for me, you know, not just to be interviewed by you, but just to get to know you and experience all the things in life and in real person with you like I experience when I watch your show Anime Adventures and I see you do interviews because your personality makes me love you and I am proud to call you my friend and sister okay again back to the Michael story so, at this time, Michael was embarking on a real huge adventure with music after his music career was starting to take off. And aside from that, you know, he wasn't even known as Mr. Off the Wall era. Really, this is this is pre-Off the Wall era. then when him and Quincy got together that was you know the biggest day in history because Quincy Jones is a producer of many artists and many TV shows because he he co-produced music for Sanford and Son 
the Johnny Carson show and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and many more and he's helped produce so many artists like Donna Summer the Caldors after you know Motown ended with them um and he he's also helped do the Michael Jackson documentary my friend and his life story is really um really well done and when Michael and Quincy got together that was just a writing on the wall because they went on to make the greatest albums of all time albums such as Off the Wall Thriller and Bad songs contained from that album was the title track Off the Wall produced and co-written by Rod Chipperton. Rod Chipperton wrote it. Michael and Quincy co-wrote it and produced it in a way. And that album is very underrated and it, it's sad. It shouldn't have got just one lousy uh, Grammy nomination because the songs that were on that album, yeah, sure, some of them weren't all Michaels. Some were produced, produced and written by uh, Charlie Smalls, the late great Charlie Smalls, the um, the person that wrote the um, the instrumentals to um, the "You Can't Win" song from the Wiz, and that is my favorite movie. That is the right way to watch the Wiz. Not to say that the original '61 is bad, but. I can't really groove to that one. And with the uh, 1978 one with Diana Ross, Ted Ross, and Nipsey Russell, and Michael Jackson in it, and um, Mabel King, I, I, I love I love that version of The Wiz. Like, I love that version of The Wiz. Like, I can, you know, groove to, to it. It's got my greatest inspiration artist of all time Michael Jackson somebody I love and adore and it's it's an all around feel good album there's actually unreleased versions of the song that's on the soundtrack but when Off the Wall was being made that was that was um, originally a disco album that's not just, you know, a pop album or a rock album or just an R&B album. It's a, it's a disco album. And a little known fact, I want to be starting something that's on the Thriller album. It actually, was actually supposed to be for that album. But it was not ready in time and it didn't really fit the direction where Off the Wall was going. So Michael and Quincy thought it was best to not put that on the album. Usually, when you when you write when you write a song, some songs for an album, not every song is gonna make it on the album. But the ones that do, and some of the ones that don't, you you gotta you gotta take advantage of that. And when you do, you you see the final product, and you're like, wow, that's really impressive. But at this time. When Off the Wall was being made, Michael was 21. Michael wasn't a teen anymore. He was a grown-ass man and had all the credentials of being a sex symbol. And as a straight, confident black man, I will proudly say that Michael, to me and to a lot of ladies at the time, considered him to be sexy. And... I don't blame them for thinking that because I thought he was sexy too. And I'm straight and proud of it. 
but at the same time, I'm I'm not afraid to throw a man a compliment and it not be, you know, sexual or the point where they think I want to get with them. Because when I give somebody a compliment, unless I'm really in love with them, it's going to be platonic. And it's going to be platonic from a man's standpoint which is my standpoint and and it's going to be platonic in the in the way Michael had a Virgo's personality like when he like when he would say like when he would say honey to a guy or something he he, he meant it like because they they were sweet like they he didn't say it as if he like as he would say it to a girl like that's what a lot of burgers do and did some of them still do like when like when i'm referring to a girl or if i if i like them like i might say like hi honey like but they don't always mean I'm gonna um, try to be flirtatious and get with them versus how I would say to somebody I'm dating like hey honey how you doing or hi honey I'm like oh hi baby or like hi sweetheart but Michael he was an all around sweet person and you know, when he initially came out with Off the Wall, I was in love with it. Even though I had to play catch up because around this time, I wasn't born yet. But when, you know, I heard him when I was like four and five years old, I loved his music and I can identify with it. It made me grow. It made me enjoy the dance. <clears throat> and... Like, if it wasn't for him, a lot of the um, celebrities you see today wouldn't be here. And not only that, Michael was a great producer when it came to video games too, because he produced the soundtrack for um, Sonic 3. Since then, when if the game's to be re-released due to the allegations and scandals that come up about him the songs have been since been removed but there's little tidbits and hints that the music is still in there like the end credits got a sample of Stranger in Moscow in it and his voice is in some of the parts and like when I found out he worked on the Sega game Sonic and I loved Sonic growing up and I still do like, that's what made me not completely abandon it when I thought about abandoning it. Because if I abandoned Sonic 3, or any Sonic game for that matter, I, I felt like I would let him down. And I didn't want to do that. Because he has never let me down. And, well... He is an all-round great artist... And a lot of these artists you hear today should revere him more often. And around this time when, you know, after Off the Wall and and all those other um, albums and songs that he came out with, he needed to make Thriller. And that was an all, another big hit because out of the 800 songs that were made specifically for that album only nine made the cut and out of the 800 36 have now since been leaked since the making of this episode I have found out there have been a total of 36 songs that have been leaked in full from the Thriller era. 
And that was a gr- another great album for me too, because when I first heard of Thriller and first heard it, my copy had 35 tracks on it. Tracks included were Love Never Felt So Good. Then it was uh, Baby Be Mine. Demo version and album version. Track two. The Girl Is Mine solo version. Track three. The Girl Is Mine featuring Paul McCartney, a Beatles member, whom Michael was friends with in the beginning. But since had a falling out with Paul McCartney because Paul McCartney was upset that he he talked about buying um, Paul McCartney song songs because Michael owned the Beatles catalog, owned the Elvis's catalog. He was, you know, he wasn't just a musician and a, a music producer. He was a mu- music publisher. And get this. Some of um, Eminem's early records were owned by Michael too. So if some radio station played an an old Eminem song at that time, Michael would get paid instead of Eminem, which I found to be fucking hilarious because Marshall dissed. Michael and the Just Lose It song and anybody would tell you if you're taking a jab at Michael I'm coming for your head and for years for years I've hated Marshall Mathers and don't get me wrong I still do but not, not as much as I used to I respect the man's talent I do but early in the beginning I couldn't stand Eminem. And then the fact that he, he he took a shot at Michael. Oh no, you are my enemy for life. But I digress. Michael was a great businessman. And back to the name of the tracks. Other tracks that were on Thriller, on my copy anyway, Someone in the Dark, Trouble, Nightline, Rolling the Dice, When a Baby Smiles, Scared of the Moon, Don't Be Messing Around, um, what was another one, Hot Street, Pretty Young Thing, R&B Version, Carousel, got the hots. Um, what else? Um, the Night Lion remix, featuring the uh, Pointer Sisters, because after Michael uh, performed it, the the song was given to them, and somehow I don't know how, but they. Their manager, I can't, I'm not going to say them, but their manager at the time found some way to have Michael on it with them. Which is a nice touch. But I, I, I like that song, but little known fact, the song Nightline is a song about uh, phone sex and getting to know know. The person you're having a, a late night conversation with. And, like, I get why that song wasn't released. Because when I said in the promo episode about uh, Michael Jackson, if Michael never went through something and he sings about it, 
he wouldn't put it out on the album. He he wouldn't put it out. Like he'll try to knock it out the park because that's what he does, and he doesn't want to disappoint anyone. But Michael, if he didn't go through something, he he wouldn't put it out because he's the type of person. If he's gonna sing about something, he has to even either relate to it, went through it, or have a good reason why he's singing about something. And that's what I like about my artists. Like if if you if I'm if you're gonna want me to listen to you, and listen to your music and enjoy it. You gotta have some real shit about your music, and that, that like that's why I identify with him because we both are perfectionists when it comes to the things we love and the things we actually have a passion for and care about. And we're both big kids, and. Like, being somebody like Michael, he never had a childhood, so, like, any chance he had to unwind and act like a kid, he he craved that and compensated for it and loved it. And in some regards, I can get it, and I can um, relate to it because similar situation. Like, with me being disabled and really can't walk, there's not really too much... Of me being a kid that I can do, I had to make my ways and uh, compensate for a lot. I mean, they try to take me places and allow me to enjoy myself, but I'm not just somebody that likes the outside and just sitting there, which I don't like the outside. But but I don't mind having fun and being being out and enjoying myself. I don't mind that. But at your expense, do not make me uncomfortable about a situation pertaining to the outside. Anyway, and then, you know, there are songs like Scared of the Moon, who many think is a bad um, song from the bad album. That's not true. Um, That song was from Thriller. And the song Don't Be Messing Around is actually from Thriller. Much Too Soon is from Thriller. Someone in the Dark Closing version, which is on the E.T. soundtrack, um, is actually a Thriller track. And other songs that were supposed to be on that album, The Man, State of Shock featuring Freddie Mercury, um, there must be more to life than this. We are in the world, uh, solo version featuring, uh, Lionel Richie. And we are the world featuring an all-star celebrity cast such as Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Cindy Lopper, um, who else? Diana Ross, Stevie Wonder, um, and many, many others. I wish I could remember all the names, but I can't. And that album by itself was a big success because it catapulted him to superstar but it wasn't always like that because when Thriller first came out it was failing ultimately because even though a lot of people a lot of people liked the material that was on there but it was failing because it didn't have any uh, thing to support it right away but I'm going to tell you like this, if it wasn't for uh, the Thriller album and some of the songs that were from that album, um, it um, it wouldn't be 
no BT, not BT, MTV, BET, and there wouldn't be a lot of other artists that, you know, sold um, rock music um, and other crazy uh, shenanigans from MTV music that you used to get. And can't forget the infamous moonwalk from the Billie Jean song. And that's what catapulted him alongside the thriller short film. And that's what ultimately helped the album and helped the sales go up. Because at that time, it was unimaginable. Like, back in the days, you didn't see, you didn't see movies like that. Usually when you, were saw, when you saw a movie, you would see somebody riding a car and walking in and outside of um, an area in the street and then um, they'll be uh, singing something and then and then the um, the video will be over. It will say the name of the, um, the artist, the album, and the label and who possibly produced it if they thought that far. But once Thriller came out and people um, saw that the, that was possible, everybody tried to pursue that. And that was a big deal. Excuse me. That was a big deal. Because wasn't nobody thinking like that. And other songs that were from that album that was on my copy, Hot Street. Um, what else? Oh, Billie Jean, um, long version and um the carousel uh remix that was um supposed to be on there aka circus girl you can't win aka get out of the rain um behind the mask Fantasy, which is sampled by uh, New Edition, can't uh, stand the rain. Yeah, that that's a Michael Jackson song. The uh, the sample is from a Michael Jackson song called Fantasy. And what else? Is another song on there. Oh, um, Lady in My Life original version with alternate lyrics and the um, the dance mix the dance remix and um, the home the home demo to uh, the lead singles like there's an, a human nature demo with Michael on it um and there's there's an, a nightline demo with uh, Michael singing with the uh, the original writer and um, when a baby smiles is a, is a spoken word by him talking about if he if he had a baby early and songs I love from that album is Love Never Felt So Good uh, Thriller Version This Is It um, featuring Paul Inka and then the This Is It featuring um, Michael and the Jackson 5 on um, Backup and what was another third one um, Scare of the Moon and don't be messing around. Like, that, some of the greatest songs that's on the album I just love, and I also love There Must Be More to Life Than This and State of Shock. Both those songs have the original King of Rock on it, Freddie Mercury, or Farouk Basara, as he was originally birthed and pronounced. 
And now, let's talk about the Bat Era. In 1987, on August 25, Michael Jackson worked and written 33 songs for the Bad Album, and it was released on August 25th and has sold. 25 million copies its first week. Little known fact, Smooth Criminal almost didn't make the album because Al Capone was too similar to uh, Smooth Criminal. And that song is actually based on the real person, Al Capone, who since passed away and the song was about him in the sense of he got away with doing something he wasn't supposed to do and Michael asked whoever let him get away she's like why why did you let him get away when he's killing people and when you listen listen to the uh, song and then learn where, the, where it originated it, you're like, wow, that's freaking deep. And not every song, like I stated previously, not every song that you write is going to end up on an album. It's a shame, but that's how it's always been for at least over 60 years. Or at least since I was a kid. Excuse me. And that album consists of only 33 songs, and a lot, a lot of the songs that either made or didn't make the album, he wrote like "Free," um, "Loving You," "Do You Know Where Your Children Are," which is a song about a public ser- service announcement, um, keeping an eye on your kids. Back at 10 o'clock, there would be that perfect service announcement. And the song, although it is a groovy song, the story about it is sad because it's about a girl that's starving who made the wrong decision and then who who ends up getting killed and molested because she took the wrong path. And so that's why um, the song Do You Know Where Your Children Are was made. That was another song that was supposed to be on a bad album along with I'm So Blue, um, Price of Fame, um, Abortion Papers, and Streetwalker, which has since been uh, released on the special edition album in the anniversary edition with the same album songs that also didn't make the cut were I'm So Blue um, Free, The Price of Fame Streetwalker, Fly Away um, the French version to I Can't Stop Loving You which is a sequel to the song Loving You which is highly underrated but the reason why the song was not initially put on the album is because the tape was busted and you can hear that when you listen to the song and like the pitch because the tape was warped um his uh voice is kind of warped I mean it's not terrible but like you can tell like the tape they needed a a new tape and they had ran ran out of tape and when you hear the warp from the tape I love hearing stuff like that to hear because that lets you know how um how how real the um music is and the material and looking back on that i wouldn't change that for the world and another song i liked from that album was the song called uh song groove aka abortion papers and what that song is they had they had someone 
that they knew he had a baby with this woman and now she wants to have it aborted but that's considered a sin so what she needs to do is uh, get the word of Jesus get the word of God to get the abortion papers because you're not going to abort something that he created yeah you might be carrying it but he made you first to carry that baby and and if you don't realize that he made you then there's no reason for you to even carry a baby because without you know essentially the the parents it's not just the parents if it wasn't for god giving your parents the ability to have children then that would be then you will be stuck and ultimately you don't want to be stuck and she's trying to do whatever she can to get the abortion papers before the um, the father finds out and when I first heard this song abortion papers I was impressed with it and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Michael Jackson fan. Like I was legitimately impressed. Like all his albums that he released and somewhat didn't release. I don't I don't tend to get, you know, discouraged by him because Michael doesn't really have a bad album. And looking back on that I'm glad to have heard his music I'm glad to have you know watched his interviews and get to know him on a personal level since I can't and couldn't meet him at the time of him being alive and a little known fact too um He um, also loved anime, and um, he loved certain characters. Like, he loved Dragon Ball Z and loved the characters Frieza, Bardock, Son Gohan, and Kakarot. character he didn't like was Zarbon because um, Zarbon was bisexual. He... Um, does not like uh bisexualness he doesn't he doesn't like that whole um he doesn't like that whole um bisexuality because of the the simple fact that you can go to hell and off camera and a lot of people don't know even though they thought that Michael was the Jehovah's witness for his whole life when he became his own man and had his own set of teams and uh, set of people, Michael tried at least three religions to my knowledge. He 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 tried uh, Christianity. He tried, you know, atheism at one point. And he definitely, he definitely stuck to the uh, the Christian though because he he was appreciative for everything that he he did. So he came Christian after that, and he would pray all the time. There's even an unreleased track that was from. Um, dangerous and he he would pray he also was a good rapper too like you know the song this time around with, with Biggie he and Biggie wrote wrote uh, some of that rap and he also you know covered it in the demo I was like oh my goodness and Biggie wasn't the only rapper he worked with he worked with um 
Heavy D, and he worked with Sh 